Welcome to the Bethesda Christian Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit yourbcc.org or download our mobile app from the App Store. Great, great job. That was so good to hear these stories of how God works in people's lives, isn't it? I mean, if you're not inspired by the the Lord doing work, uh, well then, pay more attention and listen because these are inspirational stories. God is so good and and excellent. And it's wonderful. These uh, folks, it was so encouraging to hear Catherine say, I, I needed to learn a little more. And she's at a group where they're talking about God's word and she wanted to know more because God's word's powerful and it's life-giving and we can learn so much about life in God's word and it should never stop. We should always be students of God's word. We should always be studying and we should always wanna get more of it into us and it doesn't mean that we have to this has to be really academic or we have to be writing master's theses about God's word. No, but just take it in. Never stop absorbing it and taking it in. And I want you to know that we encourage that and we desire that for everyone here in our church. So beginning next Sunday, we have something new at 9 a.m. If you come to a class or a group at 9 a.m., they're all gonna be consolidated beginning next Sunday just for a couple of months uh, for the July and August timeframe. And we're calling it Community in the Word. Beginning next Sunday, 9 a.m., come right to our dining room. And why? You might say, well, why are we doing this? Certain of the classes do take some time off during the summer, so now they'll all be on the same schedule. And it also gives you an opportunity to meet some new people and to mix with others, make a new friend and find community, express community and discuss God's word. So that's why we've given it the name Community in the Word. And there will be discussion at every table. There will be a designated discussion leader. We will be following our reading plan that we have uh, published in our bulletin, and if you're visiting, we've been reading through the Bible together. We publish a little section of the Bible to read each week, and by the end of the year, we'll have covered the entire Bible. So it'll be something from that particular week's reading that will be, that will be discussed, but if you missed it, you might think, well, I didn't get a chance to read during the week. That's all right, just come, because we're gonna print a little section of the scripture so that you could very, in a very short order, catch up. We'll have it printed, one sheet, nothing. Like I said, it's not, this is not some master's thesis or something. It is just discussing God's word with others. So after the scripture, some thought-provoking questions, some discussion-provoking questions to promote dialogue and discussion so if you come at 9 a.m., don't break your habit. Keep coming. There will be some refreshments, coffee, snacks. You can come at 8.45 to get started. And if you've never come at 9 a.m., come on out an hour early. 
hey, if you get up and you make it here by 10, seriously, what's the big deal, right? Set the alarm one hour earlier, get up, be here, have a coffee, have something to, something to munch on, a little snack, and sit down at a table, explore God's word with someone. And we want to encourage you to bring your whole family. It's open to children, adults, young adults. Everyone is welcome. And it can do nothing but add to you. Right, Catherine? Learning more can do nothing but add to you and enhance your knowledge and your application of God's word in your life. It'll help you to meet others. And perhaps you'll have an opportunity to share a personal experience about your faith. Like these personal experiences we've heard this morning. And weren't they encouraging to hear from Eric and Catherine and what they had to share about their faith and God working in their life and Jesus working in their life? Eric had hurt and pain and he discovered the only way that that pain could be relieved was Jesus. And that's the truth. He's up here telling us the truth. He saw the light. And I want to keep encouraging him to keep on crowing, brother. You're in the light. Keep the crowing going. And all of us should keep the crowing going. That would have been a great title for this morning, Keep the Crowing Going. And you'll see why. You'll see why. I'm stealing that, Eric. And Catherine uh, telling us, hey, she was living the life, a job and car and all that jazz. No purpose. What is the purpose? But she found Jesus and could, he could make her whole and give her purpose. And that's so wonderful to hear. And I know every student here could get up and tell us very similar stories. And I would hope all of us in the congregation could do the same. And these are inspirational. And if you have a story, like they have a story, it bears repeating, repeating to others, others that are in need, others who are lost, others who are in the dark and they need the light, others who are purposeless and they need to find purpose. Do you have something you could share? Are you going to keep the crowing going? You should. You should. Do you have an anecdote, a story that you could share about your faith in Jesus Christ? All of us, I am sure, we have something. If you're saved and you're born again, if you've come into the light, you have something that you could share, a divine experience, an interaction with our Lord and our Savior, uh, Jesus Christ. It might be how you became a Christian in the first place. It might be a prayer answered. Maybe you have a miracle story that you could share with someone, some kind of divine intervention of God in your life. And we never know when we might have an opportunity to share such a story with others that don't have an authentic and a real relationship with Jesus. Now this week in our reading, we, we went through uh, an entire book, Song of Solomon. We completed the book of Proverbs, but we were continuing through the book of Acts. And last week we read 21 through 25 in the book of Acts. In those chapters, we read more than once in those chapters, someone telling their story. And it's the same person, it's the Apostle Paul. And he's giving a personal account of an experience with Christ. 
he's keeping the crowing going. And I want to talk about that this morning. And I want to share with you one of his personal stories, Acts 21, verse 30. I'm going to take it through Acts 22, verse 3. These are long narratives. This is really just a taste of it. But I want us to get a flavor of what's going on with Paul, and this is just one of his stories. He's in Jerusalem, and the whole town's going crazy because he is there, and uh, they don't like the fact that he's there. So we're going to pick it up in Acts 21, verse 30, and it says this, the whole city of Jerusalem was aroused, and the people came running from all directions, seizing Paul. They dragged him from the temple, and immediately the gates were shut. While they were trying to kill him, news reached the commander of the Roman troops that the whole city of Jerusalem was in an uproar. He at once took some officers and soldiers and ran down to the crowd. When the rioters saw that the commander and his uh, soldiers, they stopped beating Paul. The commander came up and arrested him and ordered him to be bound with two chains. Then he asked who he was and what he had done. Some of the crowd shouted one thing and some another, and since the commander could not get at the truth because of the uproar, he ordered that Paul be taken into the barracks. When Paul reached the steps, the violence of the mob was so great, he had to be carried by the soldiers. The crowd that followed kept shouting, get rid of him. As the soldiers were about to take Paul into the barracks, he asked the commander, may I say something to you? Do you speak Greek? He replied, aren't you the Egyptian who started a revolt and led 4,000 terrorists out into the wilderness some time ago? Paul answered, I am a Jew from Tarsus in Cilicia, a citizen of no ordinary city. Please let me speak to the people. After receiving the commander's permission, Paul stood on the steps and motioned to the crowd. When they were all silent, he said to them in Aramaic, Brothers and fathers, listen now to my defense. When they heard him speak to them in Aramaic, they became very quiet. Then Paul said, I'm a Jew, born in Tarsus of Cilicia, but brought up in this city. I studied under Gamaliel and was thoroughly trained in the law of our ancestors. I was just as zealous for God as you are today. And he continued after that. He continued now to give his testimony and pour out his heart before these people. And this is, as I said, only one instance of several where Paul, he took advantage of an opportunity. He leveraged an opportunity and he presented his faith story. He presented a testimony. And we can learn from this, and that's why I thought, as I heard Eric, we should title this Keep the Crowing Going. Keep telling our story. How can we do this? Well, I want to talk about that. First, find an opening. Look for an opening. Now, sometimes you might make an opening. This is what Paul did. Here was a large crowd, a mob, we read. The whole city was aroused because Paul was in the temple and they thought he was uh, preaching heresies. I'm guessing Paul sensed an opportunity here to address this crowd, this huge multitude of Jews. It's custom when he went from city to city, when he was on his travels and he was planning churches, his custom was first to go into synagogues to talk 
to the community of Jews. Now, here was an opportunity to address a huge community of Jews. This was Jerusalem. This is the epicenter of Judaism. These were the people who were acquainted with the Old Testament. They knew about Moses and the prophets, and they had some understanding of the living God. Now, how is this guy, Paul, going to get the door opened? I feel he senses an opportunity. What's he going to do? He's being escorted by a Roman guard. Not only is he being escorted, they have to lift him up over their heads because these people are surrounding so tightly they want to kill him just to keep the man alive. They've lifted him up. They're carrying up the stairs. What could he do? He applied the principle of philosophy called Oakham's Razor. All things being equal, the simplest solution tends to be the best one. What was the simplest solution? Just ask. He just asked. Paul asks. He says to this Roman commander, may I say something to you? Then, very politely, please let me speak. And what did that do? That opened a door for him. It opens the door before this mob, this crowd of Jews, and off he goes. Off he goes telling his story. Now, sometimes we might find ourselves in an unexpected situation. I don't know if any of you are going to find yourself surrounded by a mob this week being carried by a group of police officers. But it's certainly an unexpected situation. Paul uses it to preach Christ. And that's amazing. We never know what the situation might be. It might be the most casual of situations. A couple of weeks ago, we had the opening game of our softball league, the church softball league. Bethesda was playing. So Julie and I were out here. I can't say that I was uh, grilling hot dogs, although I had said I would grill hot dogs. I was out there. My brother, Scott Wesselman, helped me grill. He took over, and that was really kind of him. I was able to uh, interact with people, talk with people. Julie and I had a great time. But afterwards, we went into the office for a bit. It was a late night. Although I had a hot dog, I was kind of hungry. And Julie, she's not really too fond of hot dogs. So on the way home, she said, hey, let's stop and get, some, get a bite to eat. So we stop. And we go into a restaurant, and the waitress says, Hey, are you celebrating anything? Is there anything going on? And we said, hey, it's a beautiful day. And oh, we're celebrating the opening of the softball season. And so she started talking. Now, Pastor Julie, she can get the door open just like that. And she's excellent at it. So she gets this conversation going with the waitress and suddenly it's, Softball's at the church. Oh, what do you do? Why were you there? Well, we're pastors at the church. And I mean, instantly, we were, we're having this discussion about church. A door was opened. And after the waitress walked away, I said, well, that was pretty good. You just, in one second... We're now, we've got a faith conversation going on. It's uh, the most unusual situations, the most casual situations. But you need to just be aware of the opportunity. What helped Paul? 
receive permission to speak. He was sensitive to who he was speaking to, and he made a connection. See, and that's number two. You find this opening, now make a connection. Make a connection to who you're speaking to. How can you make a connection? Well, consider who you're talking to. Know your audience. Paul had an audience of one. He had an audience of many. And he connected with both. His audience of one was the Roman commander. How did Paul address this Roman soldier? He spoke Greek to him. Paul speaks Greek to the Roman commander. Now, this seems to surprise the guy. He says, do you speak Greek? Aren't you the Egyptian? See, the Roman commander had it all wrong. He thought Paul was this Egyptian terrorist. And Paul says, no, no, I'm a Jew. I'm born in Tarsus, no ordinary city. See, Tarsus was a well-known port city. It was a center of commerce. It was a seat of higher learning. It was a college town. It was on par with two other college towns in the, in the, the, the greater region, and that would be Athens and Alexandria and Tarsus, known for their areas of higher learning. So Paul appeals to the commander's Romanness. He let him know he could speak his language. He tells him he's from a town in the Roman province that's famous for its commerce and its great ports and its education. It's a, it's a town in a city of good reputation. So the, he's got the commander now. He's got his attention. He's made a connection with him. So when he asked to speak, hey, may I speak, please? Sure. Why not? You're not that Egyptian terrorist. You're a good, you're a good Roman guy. So now Paul turns to the, to the Jews, to this big mob. He's standing on some stairway. And does he say, hey, good day to you in Greek? No, he does not. Paul addresses the Jewish crowd in Aramaic. Why? Because he's trying to make a connection with them. Acts 22, 2, it said, we, uh, when they heard him speak to them in Aramaic, they became very quiet. Suddenly, I'm guessing too, this crowd, you know how mobs are? Yeah, first few people might know what's going on, then it's just mob rules. There's people 100, 200, 300 people deep. They don't know what's going on. They're just shouting and screaming because everybody else is shouting and screaming. Uh, and the telephone game works the way, by the time it gets back to the end of the crowd, they probably believed he was the Egyptian terrorist too. Who knows? But he speaks to them in Aramaic, their, their native tongue, and they quiet down. He's making a connection. He connected, spoke their tongue, and then he goes on. And what does he say? He says, I'm a Jew. Now, I don't know what the Roman guy's thinking, although he had already told him that. He says, I'm born in Tarsus, in Cilicia, but he doesn't, he doesn't say no ordinary city. He's not bragging about Tarsus anymore. No, he says, I was raised here. I wasn't raised there. I was raised in this city, Jerusalem. Making a connection. He wants to be heard. He wasn't interested in telling him all about his Romanness. He says, no. I'm raised here. I'm like a native son of Jerusalem. I'm a good Jew. I was taught under Gamaliel, the great, wonderful Jewish teacher. 
I was thoroughly trained in the law, just like all of our ancestors. I was zealous for God, just like you. He has their attention. He's connected. They quiet down to the Roman audience of just a single guy. Appealed to his Romanness, to the larger, huge mob of Jews. He appealed to their Jewishness. This is a great little lesson for us. Just make a connection. Know your audience. Know who you're talking to. And did he lie to either one of these? Was he not telling the Roman about him being a, you know, a Jew raised up in Jerusalem? No, he was truthful and honest to all. He's just making this connection. And it was because he wasn't one-dimensional. He had multiple experiences. You know, class, you have multiple experiences. Eric told a story, but I'm sure he has others. And Catherine told a story, and I'm sure she has others. And all of you probably have others, as all of us. Just like Paul, he didn't have just, he's not a one-trick pony. He's got, a, he's got other things he can talk about. We have a variety of uh, experiences and interests that can open up a conversation and make a connection. Julie and I, when we went to, uh, on vacation earlier this year, we were on an airplane and we got on and I picked the seats. I like doing that. It was a two-three plane, so two seats on one side, three on the other. So I picked two seats so we could sit together, you know, we wouldn't have a third wheel and we could, you know, hey, uh, we're going on vacation. I want to reconnect with my wife, right? So, hey, I wanna, we can talk on the plane and get our vacation started. Across the aisle was uh, yeah, a man who was, he had just an outgoing personality and he had carried on a little uh, photo album with him. And he's showing everybody his pictures. And on, in all of these pictures, I hear him talking, yeah, this is me with Sylvester Stallone. And this is me with, uh, I mean, it was just the, every A-list Hollywood figure you can think of. And he's just flipping pages, picture after picture of him with all these celebrities. Well, that's okay. It's on his side of the aisle. And he's carrying on over there. Well, the stewardess came down the aisle. She's serving refreshments. He hands her the photo album. She hands it to me. <laughs> and then she moves down. So now this fella's talking to me, right? Hey, you know, let me tell you about all these. So, and he was truthful, page after page of all these celebrities. And it turns out he was a comedian. He had worked in Hollywood and he had this partner who was in a wheelchair and so he had a career of about 20 years and he's sharing all these photos. Well, that's great. And I'm, I want to give him his photo album back. <laughs> but my wife, Julie, she's got the heart of an evangelist, right? And she leans over me and she's making the connection with this fella because he's talking about uh, being in front of people, and he says, well, you need to come see me. Well, you know what Pastor Julie says? Well, you need to come see us. <laughs> because, well, you stand up in front of people. Well, we do too. Well, okay, he says, what do you do? And she says, well, we're pastors. And, you know, he was from the Detroit area because we were on an outbound flight uh, going on vacation. And... He said, okay, I'll give you my card. He said, you know, I had you two pegged for real estate agents. You're pastors? 
anyway, he said, you know, my partner's father or grandfather was a good Pentecostal, so I know what it's like to be in church. Uh, so, yeah, I'll, I'll come. I'll come. He said, it's air, airline law or something. We're in here. You, if we make a deal, it's a deal. So we made a deal with them. And Julie's like, get out your card. Give them your card. And uh, so we made a connection. Well, actually, she made the connection. I will admit that. And oh, so we're going to, uh, we're going to wait. If uh, Dave the comedian ever comes, we're going to welcome him with open arms. Uh, and and Paul, uh, Paul made uh, such a connection, right? And then he told his story. So, you know, you find that opening, you make the connection, you tell the story. In Acts 22, Paul told his story, and he told his conversion experience. He told how he was blinded by this great flash of light. He heard the voice of Jesus. He fell down. He went to Damascus blind. A man named Ananias prayed for him. He received back his sight. He told how he was baptized, how his sins were washed away. And it was a very compact and succinct way to tell his salvation story. And it was very quickly he was speaking about Jesus. And at hearing uh, at a hearing later, now in Acts 24, before the Roman governor Felix, Paul doesn't tell that story. He tells a different story. Because Felix is said to be known uh, as a person who knows all about this thing called the way, which was being Christian. And in Acts 24, 14, uh, we read this. It's uh, verses 14 and 15. Paul saying, However, Felix, I admit that I worship the God of our ancestors as a follower of the way, which the Jews call a sect. I believe everything that is in accordance with the law and what is written in the prophets. And I have the same hope in God as these men themselves have, that there will be a resurrection of both the righteous and the wicked. And then Paul added this in verse 17. After an absence of several years, I came to Jerusalem to bring my people gifts for the poor and to present offerings. So he's not telling his conversion story. He brings up the resurrection. He tells about benevolent, uh, benevolent works that he is doing. And then he transitioned back to the resurrection. He brings up the resurrection twice when he's talking to Felix. Now, what might have... Uh, what might have caused Paul to relate a different experience to Felix? It's, it's because we read he was well acquainted with the way. He wasn't a Christian, but Paul may have been trying to get Felix to see other aspects of Christianity uh, beyond conversion. Talk about the benevolence and talk about the resurrection. And what's the point? The point is just like... Uh, we use different experiences to connect to people. We might use a different experience uh, to even open the door. We have other personal experiences about our faith that we can share. It's, yes, our assurance of eternal life, how we're converted, but maybe, like I said earlier, an answer to prayer. Maybe at a miracle in your life you could share. Maybe you might find something that parallels the person you're talking to. You could say, oh, yes, I had this in my life, but let me tell you what Jesus Christ did. And if you believe Jesus saved you again, you've got a story to tell. He saved you from the penalty of sin. So keep the crowing going. Just tell it. And 
Number four, be prepared for rejection. Paul was ever willing to share his story of Jesus, but it wasn't always well received. And we should understand that. In Acts 22, he told about being saved and turning from being a terrorist to an evangelist for Jesus. He came to the point where he said, the Lord sent me to the Gentiles. That's in Acts 22. And what happened when that happened? He said, the Lord sent me to Gentiles. That audience that was in Jerusalem, which was all Jews, they did not like to hear that. Here he is. He's told about Jesus saving, etc. And he says, now the Lord sent me to the Gentiles. A riot ensued. X 22:22 says this. The crowd listened to Paul until he said this. Then they raised their voices and shouted, rid the earth of him. He's not fit to live. Well, that's when the riot started and Paul was taken into the barracks of the Roman soldiers. He put out a message. It wasn't well received. Now later when he was standing before the governor Felix, he talked about the hope of the resurrection. Like I said, when he got to that the second time, that was enough. Felix said, that's enough. We're done. Stop the proceedings. That can happen. And it's happened to me when I'm talking to someone and they literally said, stop. It's enough. And I respect that. Okay, you've heard enough. Maybe let that sink in. With the Jews, with Felix, Paul wasn't well received. But with Felix, something more happened. It may be that it wasn't well received, but he thought about it. Sometimes when we talk to people and they tell us to stop and they said, I've heard enough, they're thinking, they're pondering. Even Catherine in her testimony today said there was something for her to ponder about this. Well, should I take this class? Then she went off and thought about it a little more seriously. And that's what happened with Felix too. Paul left him with a little spark. You can leave a little spark with somebody. It might ignite into a little flame. Felix came back. He said, I want to hear more. He brought his wife, Drusilla. And we read in Acts 24, verse 24, several days later, Felix came with his wife, Drusilla, who was Jewish. He sent for Paul and listened to him as he spoke about faith in Jesus Christ. So Paul had more opportunity to tell of his faith. Felix wasn't entirely genuine, though. His motives weren't exactly pure. He was hoping for a bribe, we read, yet he still invited Paul to talk. So Paul went, maybe thinking I might get rejected again because rejected, rejection is part of evangelizing. Don't be discouraged. Don't stop. Keep on crowing. Jesus and his apostles were rejected, yet they were also received. There will be times when you will be received. And that's the picture Jesus presented in Scripture, right? He gave the parable about scattering seed. He said some seed's going to fall on hard ground. Some seed's going to fall on rocky ground. But some seed is going to fall on good ground. And we don't always know what the ground is. The idea is keep on scattering. Keep on crowing. You know, I wondered as I read through these chapters this week, I wondered why did Luke put so many of Paul's testimonies in these final chapters of the book of Acts? Why was he giving all of, he could have wrote about all kinds of other 
experiences, other details, but it's Paul telling his story over and over again. Why? We've touched on some of it this morning. And as you conclude too next week, and you're going to read a couple more of Paul's testimonies. And I thought, what could the reason be? I think it's to motivate us. I think it's to motivate us to say, okay, you're going to get rejected. Tell your story. It's not going to be well received. Tell your story. We need to be motivated to do that because so many don't share. I received an email yesterday. I'd seen an article, and then I received an email about the same article about a pastor named Chris uh, Songson in California who's done some research. One line of it stood out. He did a, a lot of research, but this line stood out. Only 5% have shared their faith with a non-believer. And that, that's kind of shocking. Only 5% of Christians have shared their faith with a non-believer? Can we do better than that? I think so. How about we turn that around? I think this class has started. There's some fire in their belly. There's some crowing, and I want the crowing to keep going. I know life is going to put us in many different situations where we can share, and we can turn that number around. How about we go from 5% who have shared with a non-believer and 95% who haven't? Could we flip that around to 95% who have shared with a non-believer? Maybe 100%. Well, that's not a bad number to shoot for, is it? Find an opening. You can do that. We gave you an opportunity. This Wednesday, we're showing a movie. It's called I Can Only Imagine. Great opportunity. Just invite someone. Say, hey, I got a movie. It's free. I'll take you to the movies on Wednesday. And then after you see the story, it'll be a great opportunity to talk about faith. So find an opening. Make a connection. Tell your story about Jesus. And even if you're not well-received, keep on telling it. You're in the light. You're in the light. So crow like the rooster. Just before the final closing line of the book of Acts, there is this line in Acts 28. And it says this, Acts 28, 24. Some were convinced by what he said but others would not believe. So there it is. Some will listen, some won't. But how will we know if we don't actually make the effort to share Jesus? You might be received, you might be rejected, you never know, but just keep telling about Jesus. We're gonna pray for this class now. And we're going to pray that they're going to be strengthened, that they're going to be rooted, that they're going to be grounded concerning their faith. We want to confirm them in their faith so that they'll be people who'll be part of 100% who tell at least one non-believer about Jesus. And I think that'll happen. So let's pray. Class, would you come to the altars, please? We want to, we want to pray over you strengthen you, ask the Holy Spirit to establish you in your faith, and you know your faith. You're going to share your faith. I trust all of you will have that opportunity to share your faith, and you know it too. You know what you believe, right? So before we pray over you, I just want you to turn to this congregation and tell them in just a little 
encapsulated form what you believe. We call it the Apostles' Creed. I know many of you know it. So you can share with them. You can speak your faith too. You can say it with this class. Let's say it together. I believe in God the Father. Amen. Amen. <laughs> Class, I know you're going to get an opportunity to share that faith that you've just talked about. If you would turn back to the altars, and I want to invite our presbytery of uh, ministers and elders to the altar so that we can pray over this class and ask God to really establish them firmly in their faith. And I want to invite you to, to be a part of this prayer. We consider this important. This is not a ceremony that we're conducting. We're inviting the Holy Spirit to do a work in these hearts. So I'd ask that you would sincerely join me in prayer as we pray over this class. Class, would you please kneel? And let's pray, Father in heaven, in the name of Jesus, we pray over these students. God, as hands are laid upon them. Holy Spirit, we pray that a work would be done, a powerful work that we can't see beyond our imagination. Lord, that you would tie each of these right on down to the root that is Jesus Christ. Lord, that they would be tightly welded to Jesus. Lord, that they would uh, have roots that go down deep in him, that they could rise to be trees and pillars of the church. Lord, that they would be like that tree planted by the river of water that would bring forth fruit. God, and we pray that it would be fruit of others coming into the kingdom of Jesus Christ. Lord, that the faith that they have learned, the faith that they have established, the faith that they've put into practice over these months, the faith that they've exemplified by being baptized, filled with the Holy Spirit, that they would share it with others. God, that you would use them as lights in your kingdom, that you would bless them with opportunities to be kingdom witnesses and ambassadors for Jesus. May they be people who would stay strong on the word of God. We pray that the light and the sword of the word would ever be their companion. God, if any trouble, trial, tribulation come into their life, may they turn to you and your word. May they look up and and fix their eyes upon Jesus, the author and the finisher of their faith, that they would stand firm and they would not waver. That if a wind of the enemy blows, Father, you'd keep them rooted in you, in Jesus and in the Holy Spirit. Do a great work on them, we pray. Establish them, use them. God, you've begun a good work in them, and we pray that you would see it through to the day of Jesus Christ. We trust you, Lord. We commit them into your hands 
hands. We look forward to what you're going to do. Expand their talents, my God. Expand their gifts, Lord. May they see the purpose that you have for them in your kingdom. God, open up doors of opportunity for them to serve, for them to be a a great benefit to your kingdom. Lord, they love you. They have called upon you as Lord and Savior. Favor them today with this great anointing and power of your Holy Spirit. We look forward to what you're going to do as their lives move forward from this day on, God. And we look forward to great testimonies. We ask these wonderful favors in the name of our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen.